I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Listen up, dear listeners in the UK. There's a brand new guitar show this year, the Brighton Guitar Show. It's a one-day show happening on the 15th of July at the Brighton Racecourse, and it's going to be great. We'll be there along with loads of your favourite boutique and major brands like Two Notes Audio Engineering, Chapman Guitars, Fidelity Guitars, Thought B Effects, Pedal Patch, Bright Onion Pedals, Ranger Effects, NRG Effects, Great Eastern Effects, Iverson Guitars, Kurt Mangan Strings, Maybury Leighton, Lemon Audio, Xander Circuitry, and loads and loads more. What more excuse do you need to come to Sunny Brighton, the birthplace of guitar nerds, than a guitar show full of guitars, pedals, effects, and accessories? Come and say hi, hang out, have a beer, and check out all the cool gear with Matt, JD, and I. You might even see a few of the OG guitar nerds hosts knocking about. For tickets, visit brightonguitarshow.co.uk or check them out on social media with Brighton Guitar Show. See you there. Here at Guitar Nerds, we're big fans of Isotope Software and their impressive range of plugins. And you, dear listener, get 10% off all Isotope plugins at isotope.com with discount code NERDS10. Every Guitar Nerds podcast for well over five of its ten years has been edited, polished, and repaired using Isotope's wonderful range of tools. From their nectar suite to EQ, compress, and lightly add reverb to give the impression that Matt and I are in the same room, to the RX repair suite to deal with pops, clicks, and background noise. In fact, every sound sample that you hear on our podcast is mastered using Isotope's Ozone Mastering Suite, and I can even compare audio, EQ, and levels to other similar released material using Isotope's Tonal Recall. It's all very good, and believe it or not, there are a bunch of free plugins that you can try. A vinyl simulator for added character, the Ozone Imager for help visualising your stereo mix, and a vocal doubler for added richness and depth to your vocals. Pretty neat. Check it all out at isotope.com. Matt, I've, um, I, I, keep, I keep forgetting to prepare the, uh, the dad joke that I've got for the start or the dad gad joke that I have ready for the start of each episode. I've been working on a, a few different a few different jokes. And I, I know a bunch of good jokes about umbrellas, but they usually go over people's heads. Hello, dear listener, and welcome, welcome to another episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast. I am your host, Joe Brenton, joined 
this week for the first time in almost a month. Matthew Knight. Oh, oh I'm scared to be back. <laughs> it, it really doesn't feel like that long. You're like, yeah, you haven't been on like two episodes. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I haven't recorded for like a month. Uh, you know, yeah. what's scary is I don't know where the time has gone. Oh, no. um, but uh, I'm here now in the right. present. And uh, that's what's important. Well, that's good. It's good that you're back, Matt, because we've got a whole bunch of things to talk about. There's been, there actually has been some exciting guitar news. Dear listener, I know we talked about, uh, me and Brad Page last week talked about the new Squire Sonic series, but Matt and I are going to talk about that uh, a little bit more. Maybe we'll talk about this, uh, this weird daredevil fuzzwire, this new Dunlop Fuzzwire. That's, that's oh, pretty I love cool. Me a, I love me a wah. Exactly, exactly. We've got the Wampler Wong compressor. That seems to be sort of taking the, the world by storm, oddly, for a compressor. So, you know, we can, <laughs> <laughs> we can, uh, we can talk about those things. Um, after this episode, dear listener, Matt and I are going to be recording the Patreon-exclusive episode of this podcast, where, as always, we'll be answering questions or talking around topics that have been posted on the Guitar Nerds group on Facebook. Um, do join that, dear listener, if you're not already part of it and become part of the community and suggest things for us to talk about. We've got a few options, Matt, so we'll decide maybe when we're there. But Phil Radomski is looking for the best Amplus rig pedal. He's currently torn between an IK Tonex, Strymon Iridium, the Boss IR200. And it would be cool to talk about around that. Maybe we will, but also, you know, we talked about that sort of thing a bunch as well. Hans Ams was showing off the new Solman pedals, new two-tier Solman, pe- sorry, pedal boards, not pedals. Um, these super cool, very, very space-savvy, gorgeous-looking high-tech pedal I, boards, um, dear listener. Always trust Hans Ams for my um, got taste, isn't aest- he? aesthetic advice when it comes yeah. to gear. Yeah, he's a, he's, he's a man with taste. So maybe, maybe we'll talk about that. And Gavin Gates um, is has been asking or talking about uh, the best amplifier for home use. I mean, it, you know, n- nothing ridiculously posh or singing or dancing. His is a second-hand Roland bass cube that, that he loves it does everything he needs for home use and so i thought maybe matt and i could talk about the the our favorites uh, in that regard so we'll see we'll see where we get to with that first of all Sounds though good. yeah yeah that'll be good first of all though i i am literally fresh off a plane uh yeah I, I know joe you you know <laughs> i know that i've been you know like covid and you oh. know busy but you have been so busy that you have stepped off a plane <laughs> into the Guitar Nerds podcasting studio to come straight in and uh, record this episode. That's right. Yeah. Yes. I was. Uh, I was away with this uh, with, uh, with my band this over the weekend, playing a festival in Copenhagen in Denmark called a Colossal Weekend, which is a cool. Was it a colossal weekend? Oh, it was a colossal. <laughs> it was a colossal weekend. I mean, Denmark is uh, Copenhagen specifically is an absolutely incredible place. Have you ever been, Matt? Sure I been. have not. You've not no, been. No, so I am um, a person in my team at work hmm. uh, lives near Copenhagen. Uh, Denmark, surprisingly small country, but split into many islands. Yes. Um, yes. And, uh, yeah, no, I'd love to get out there because I'd also like to meet up with our friend, uh, Stefan from, uh, the pedal zone as well as out yes. there. Um, so it'd be always good to see him, but yeah, I've been meaning to go for a long time. So, uh, tell me about 
tell me about Copenhagen. I mean, well, Copenhagen, dear listener and Matt, is an absolutely fantastic city. I do think the Danish have kind of nailed quite a few things. Like, I mean, there's a reason that all the the design um, uh, events happen in Copenhagen and in Denmark, and it's why, you know, Danish furniture has the reputation and the mm. legacy that it does. And they just get everything right. It's one of those places where every all the buildings look beautiful, not necessarily in the same style. They'll do these wonderful sort of classic, almost Gaudi buildings, but they'll look gorgeous. Um, they do great sort of modern buildings that are big, cool black blocks that look as if they'll be timeless and they'll age well. Unlike when a new building gets built, you know, here in the UK and they go, yeah, we'll, we'll shove some plastic covers on the front of it and of course they you know they they become different colors over time and look look awful (laughs) um it's just it's a well-designed city everything looks very nice lots of room but lots of different style stuff they've got the lovely canal lovely little bars and old sort of rickety houses that look cool everything's great about it i really love the look of it i love the people very friendly very nice i don't like 10 pound pints it's uh, an expensive place. Well, the, I think uh, Scandinavia, those sort of areas are yeah. uh, not <laughs> historically not particularly cheap. No, um, no. Well, they they nail everything, don't they? They they pay a high amount of tax, which means that their cities get looked after, and uh, the they the minimum wage over there is is you know almost double what it is here. So mm. so so it makes sense that everything is a little bit more expensive. But yeah, after sort of a few days being there, moving from pub to pub in between playing shows, those sort of ten pound a pint really starts to rack up. But uh, and you, you sort of feel somewhat safer if it's euros, but when you're in yeah. a completely different currency and you're like, I have no idea how many no, uh, no. it's eighteen crowns to a tenner, uh, and it's uh, that 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 sum is just odd enough that after a few beers, it become very difficult to work out what you're spending. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, I can feel that. I can. I, I know that was like when I was in Norway, and you're like, this costs seven thousand whatever, and you're like, that's either very good or terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, you just sort of have to uh, not look at your bank statement until the day you after you come back or never. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But it is lovely. This show is lovely. A colossal weekend is a brilliant little festival played at this uh, uh, um, at this lovely venue in the middle of the town called Vega, which has three venues. It has a it has like a, a big room, a medium sized room, and a and a small room, and they have bands playing at each of these. So the people attending the festival can flip between them and see a variety of different weird avant-garde genres of music for an entire What was weekend. the weirdest? What was the weirdest? Um, uh, there, were, there was some pretty weird stuff. I can't remember the, the exact name, so it doesn't matter. But um, the, one of my favorite things was a band that were playing. They had a, a guitarist playing a, a jazz master. Lots of time-based effects going on. Mostly he was textural. It was like lots of ambient stuff, which is right. kind of death of jazz jazz master guitarists. It's kind of their, their sort of thing. So it was a, <laughs> loads of, yeah, loads of uh, delays and reverb, that sort of thing. Lots of shimmer going on. And then the other um, instrument was a, um, a MIDI clarinet running into a guitar pedal board doing lots of weird moogie synth sounds that were also very ambient but then uh, the drummer was just playing almost whatever changing time signatures slowing down being mock sloppy and then tightening things up 
it was just a very weird at, at, at the you know it, literally playing to the beat of his own drum or yeah, yeah, was there some just, sort just of to, uh, no, no coherence just to the beat of his own drum because the other instruments were being very much textural excellent yeah it was great <laughs> so that was uh, <laughs> that was a lot of fun that was uh, that was great but um but it's good i had a great time playing because uh we we flew in flew in which you know I've, I've talked about this dear listener for the last few weeks i'm very concerned about flying in i love playing mainland europe but i love driving there in a band van where stuff mm. is in the back i don't like flying gear i had a bad experience going to austria you know, uh, nearly a decade ago where that you know we, we had a trashed pedal board and our guitars were all knocked in so i was a bit concerned but me and tim designed two we redesigned our pedal boards to fit on pedal train metro uh i want to say 18 but i don't know one of the very small sizes that's the one without the upper rails right that's just one long it's a flat yeah it's a yeah, flat yeah, yeah. a small flat board um, that can maybe fit well with an MS3. You can get two more pedals along, so Boss MS3 and two more pedals along. Right, and we found we could squeeze in a couple extras for Tim at the top if we had them side on. So we managed to get those two together in one soft case, um, which was good. So we took that on as our carry on, and then flew our guitars. Um, and uh, and they, hard they were cases, hard Did cases. You... His cocks, his cocks, hard cases. Oh, just, you can't uh, go wrong. You can't well, you, go wrong. You can't. And, and the, don't get me wrong. There are certainly you know more robust hard cases out there with with you know metal uh, uh, chassis around the um, the actual plastic or whatever the foam and plastic material is. Mm. You know you can get better cases in that respect but those cases are great if you, they're coming off the flight and going straight onto the back of a van because they weigh a ton whereas a hiscox is still lightweight easy for you to walk around with if you've got to go in and out of a an airport um and and they do the job they look after your guitar they keep it nice and safe and mm. both our guitars were fine so that was uh, that was great there you go there, there you, you go. go the thing you have to worry about the most is will it actually get off the plane rather than uh <laughs> it's always the will, it, will bit, it break yeah. i know when yeah. i've gone with a few people and done stuff for work and you're always like especially when you're taking artists out to another country for I don't know, like uh, workshops or whatever, and you're like, yeah. I really hope this person's like custom made guitar like comes off the plane <laughs> because it's not it's not necessarily my direct problem, but I'm sort of going to have to sort it out. And yeah, yeah that's what you always <laughs> always worry about. That's that's it. That's exactly it. But of course, we didn't bring our amps. The venue were providing amplifiers for us, um, and we turned up, and they had two two guitar choices for Tim. Um, Tim had the choice of an old, uh, an orange, oh, what were they called? The older ones, the 70s ones, the OR, I want to say 120. Oh, yeah, OR 120. Um, and Tim, um, and the other option was a JCM 2000, or is it JTM 2000 or something? JCM like 2000. JCM so that's, what's, that's the, like, 90s 2000. I always got confused because you had JCM 2000... Mm-hmm. But they didn't they have like DSL or something like yeah. So there was JCM two thousand DSL one hundred right. super lead. That's right because I say JCM two thousand and I say dual super lead underneath. Yeah, I think that's like it's not like Mark Packham's like favorite amp, <laughs> is it? <laughs> I can't remember. I, I always remember like when he said that when he first started at yeah. So that's the kind of 
the classic Marshall that I remember. So you've got classic gain, ultra gain, reverb, mm. and then the EQ on the front, right? Yeah, well, well, that's like two, the punk rock Marshall head, that and a four by 12 and away you go. Yes. Yeah. Is that, is that how they think of it? The, the I, th- I think so. Unless I'm, rock. unless I'm confusing it with no DSL 50. Yeah. It's the JCM 2000 DSL 50. I see. I see. Um, yeah, that's like I guess I I would say that's probably one of their best ever selling amps. Really, the fifty. I I know yeah. so little about Marshall because the only thing I ever knew about them from when I started playing guitar was that I didn't like the sound of them. So I just never, I never followed that path. Into I them. think the thing is, they, those ones they just they just needed to be turned up. Really, they just right. needed to be turned up. Well, um, it was it was quite a nice experience. For, well, okay, so Tim, initially, he used to play Orange years ago, so he was like, well, I'll take the Orange, obviously. Problem is, he plays Fender amps these days. He he needs an amp to be clean, and then he's creating drive off of his pedal board. Mm. So he got the, we set up the Orange, and then he was like, oh, oh yeah, it's just like a one-channel Orange amp, and that channel is naturally very gainy, very aggressive. Mm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and he, you know, he tried it for a minute but bear in mind we were relatively rushed you know it's a festival sound check and he was like i can't get a clean tone out of it my you know time-based effects aren't going in an effects loop so they're not gonna they're not gonna work at all so i was was like well we're gonna have to grab that jcm and tim very much dislikes marshall he was very frightened by the (laughs) the amount of controls on the front of this amplifier were scary for him um but you know he set it on the clean channel turned it up and it actually sounded great. It was a really good sound, just straight into a a four twelve. It's brilliant. I, you was know, the orange into a four twelve, or was it a combo? It was, no, it was. No, it was, yeah, no, it was, it was a, yeah. So it was a. There was just a, a four twelve there. It wasn't even a, a Marshall four twelve. I think it was like a Randall. Um, oh, classic, <laughs> classic Randall four twelve. Well, you've got to say if if you're a venue and you've got to have a four twelve on there. Do you want a Marshall that's going to have a cloth grill, or do you want a Randall that's got this robust, you know, sort of metal mm. grill plate that's going to last forever? No one's. It's not going to be. You can't kick it in. You know, harder to spill drinks down it, and it'll look rubbish. You know. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to stand the test of time. Those, but those yeah, old- D- DSL fifty is is a classic really um yeah i think i'm sure so do you think they sound they sound good they they, they've stood the test of time they're good i'm wondering if it's a thing i should get into now because i loved the sound of it i just think it's i almost always thought oh mark packham likes them you know it's that that old school quintessential marshall sound yeah i never liked them right but i think that's because i never really like I don't know. I preferred the softness of a. I say softness of a Fender amp, but right. Fender well, amps or Fender style amps. I, I guess American style amps, so six v six or six L six, to me always felt brighter, and I just preferred the a feel bit more of, of them. a rounded tones. Oh, uh, yeah, but then Fender usually quite quite bright but you know if you were going to take you know 13 14 year old me in the sort of late 90s early 2000s mm-hmm. you know you kind of had hot rod deluxe or you had dsl 50 and i always thought that the yeah. fender hot rod deluxe sounded better because i preferred the clean amp and then using a distortion pedal right. um but i think you know those marshals do come into their own with a bit of volume and a lot of gain oh. um 
That, you know. Maybe that's the case. I mean, certainly Tim was using it clean. And admittedly, he doesn't often actually play clean. He has drive pedals running into it. But as a pedal platform, not that you need an amplifier with this many controls on it if you're just using it as a pedal platform, but as a pedal platform, really wasn't bad. Not bad at all. I, th- I think, um, yeah, Marshall DSL. What was... What was the one that came before? Well, I guess you had JCM 800. That was like the iconic. That was the iconic Marshall from like the 80s, I guess, 80s and 90s. That was like the high gain Marshall. So they went from, I guess, like the Plexis uh, and that kind of 60s, 70s thing to, yeah, the JCM 800. And then I think from. Then into the nineties, that's when you went into DSLs. I see. Um, and I'm trying to think because looking at the front panel, I have to ask Mark. I'm pretty sure it was it was the DSL fifty was like the classic one. JCM right. definitely needed a bit more. Yeah, because the JCM on the drive channel you have gain and volume, but the clean channel you just had volume. Uh, I, and I think a lot of people used to mod those, but I DSL fifty. Do you know I? And I'm going off pure memory here because it's the it's a long time since I plugged one in. But I always thought that Marshall sounded a bit plastic. Right, I see. And I don't think I actually liked the look of them. I didn't Uh, like the feel of the Tolex or the look of them. Um, Yeah, they they're a bit. the The look is always feels a little bit Guns and Rosesy to me. I don't know. It's a it's sort of ponytails and sleeveless shirts that's how martial amps have always felt to me and 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 so i've steered away from them for that reason but i did really like that that tone and i i'm not well versed on martial amps so dear listener help me out i I i'd like to get a marshal and uh and check it out i think maybe i've been missing a trick here let me know what you think i should get um i obviously don't want to buy the most expensive thing in the world because i'm just you know i'm gonna get one for a bit and probably sell it you know but i'd I'd like to try one out for a while so help me out give me some advice and tips ahead i think rather than a combo um but but you know anything give me give me some suggestions throw suggestions at me and we'll see um anyway i totally lucked out at this uh at the show matt because um they sent us the list of gear in advance uh of what was going to be there and uh, at first I read the main stage, which we weren't playing. Um, I read the main stage by mistake. And um, the and it was like, uh, yeah, you get an Ampeg SVT Classic and um, an 810. It was actually a choice of 810s. And I was like, oh, I could even have two. A choice of 810s, yeah. wow. Yeah, there were a couple of different options. But I was like, oh, great. I mean, you know, an SVT Classic, you can't go wrong with that. And then I realized I've read the wrong I've read the wrong stage after getting all excited about the the SVT and I read the backline for our stage and it was a TC Electronic RM or uh, 800. RH, RH450? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was RH, isn't it? That was the thing, yeah. Sort of yeah. RH something or other. Um, and I was like, oh, uh, you know, sort of an anemic sounding class D head and it was like a, with a 210. I was like, oh, I hate 10s. And also if you're going to have 10s, you need at least four um so i was like this, this <laughs> the rig's not gonna be amazing but that's fine again i can build my tone off of a pedal board and just use it as a clean pedal platform not a problem i turned up and apparently the the band on the main uh, who were playing the main stage at that time had their own rig so they were like so we brought the svt down great so i got an 810 and an ampeg svt classic and it sounded 
absolutely fantastic. Made me wonder why I've never owned an SVT Classic of my own. Such great, like so much headroom, so much gorgeous clarity, but aggression at the same time. There really is like nothing better than an SVT Classic. And it's- it looks super cool yeah exactly so of course as soon as i was uh uh you know waiting for the flight to come back today i was having a little look found found an svt classic head for 950 pounds in hove collection only so uh (laughs) 950 is that like not i'm guessing that's a sort of more modern ratio one not oh yeah it's 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 a a vintage one no, not a vintage one. And certainly the ones that they make now are like two grand plus, you know. And I just remember like selling a few of those and just like how insanely heavy they are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're t- t- two man lift. And because of that, if you're going to gig it, you also need a flight case for it. So it's. Uh, yeah. Because if anyone drops it, it will definitely yeah. just. Well, the floor will break probably before <laughs> the amp, but yeah. you still don't want to drop it. No, exactly. Um, but uh, yeah oh well there you go there you go got lucky but Tim didn't he got the opposite yeah (laughs) he made it in the end but it was good it was good so there you go help me out dear listeners suggest Marshall Heads to me and if you see any SVT classics going anywhere for a little bit less money then uh, do do let me know and uh, yeah we'll see Um, so uh, you know speaking of finding listings Matt um, of things uh, Levi Cooper a little while ago posted um that a guy near him had posted up a facebook in a in a facebook guitar sales group um someone selling the complete set of all boss pedals including variant releases anniversary editions all the rare ones all the wazacraft the hunt is over grab the lot in one go all working in a good co- condition collection only $55,000. So much money. Um, it's difficult to work out whether that's a good deal or a terrible deal. You have to really sit down and... No, every uh, single pedal. I mean, he needed to provide more info than that, but every single stomp ever. Well, do you know what What I've found interesting following Boss Pedals recently, I haven't got it to hand, but um, I did see an industry pricing guide that Reverb put together. Um, It's kind of like, do you remember back in the day, this was years and years ago, probably like 30 years ago, but at guitar shows, people used to have like a big book and it was like, you get it now for like antiques and stuff. And it's like every guitar ever made. And then they're like estimate pricing based on, the market from the, yeah. the, the previous year. I so buy the ones for records every year. Oh, do you? Yeah. Um, and then you still can't afford the black record by Prince. Isn't that the most expensive <laughs> record ever sold? I'm not sure. Maybe. Um, it's a side note. I remember reading that on Discogs. Basically, it was a record that Prince made. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Had to make it to get out of a contract, made the whole thing black. And then when, no, I'm not going to bother putting it out and only made five pressings. Wow. And they're the only pressings in existence. And uh, yeah, I think someone bought, I think that one went for insane money. Um, But yeah, anyway, so Reverb put something together similar, but quite a lot in the, the book, in the lead up, they were talking about boss pedals and the investment in some boss pedals and how they've gone up like crazy money. Yeah. And um, the one thing I've noticed is things like SP1, OD1, uh, those those two don't come up very often. They're, they're the kind of part of the original three. You don't see as many slow gears as you used to. And I think, again, the price kind of like bottomed out, like on a lot of those, they became like too expensive. Like a year ago or longer, a few, quite a few years ago, CE ones were like crazy, crazy money. It was, uh, actually- yeah. CE one really had a, a sort of weird popularity phase. Mm. Didn't it? But actually one. you can buy a CE one now for like 550 quid, yeah, you know, which is not yeah. crazy. I mean, it's still expensive, it's, but it's, it's not like money, but it's thousands of pounds. You know what I mean? Yeah. What, what I found interesting is the boss pedals from the, late 80s to mid 90s late 90s even mm-hmm. they're kind of like the middle period i guess of like boss before you're sort of feeling things out well, the, the actually maybe metalizer and the high maybe, flanger yeah and stuff like maybe that. like the second era so not the original 70s ones going okay. into the sort of 80s 90s before you kind of had the like I would say the lull of the 2000s going into like the rena- yeah. renaissance of the last like 10 years but Though the prices of those kind of like mid tier eighties boss pedals that people sort of forgot about, and we made quite a few of them. In some cases, we didn't make that many of them. They're just going for like stupid money, right? Like stupid, stupid money, and you're just like, no, this is just like crazy money. Like digital metalizers for like three hundred and fifty quid. <laughs> um, I'm sure it'll all die down. Just like I saw bad monkeys are back at like 40 quid. Cause everyone oh, realized no. they were never yeah. going to sell theirs for like 250 quid or no, whatever. No, crazy. Um, but I bought actually a pretty rare boss FT two. What's, um, What's that? FT two. The FT2 is the dynamic filter. Um, so the first thing we had was the T uh, which then became the, 
Touchwa. Yes. Um, I've wanted one of those for a while, the Touchwa. So that's the really early, um, that was like late 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the kind of very early envelope auto wah i guess so two controls and then you've got an up and down switch um i think maybe even very very early 80s yeah Um, i mean it's it's the switch is very unusual for boss because it's almost like a like a les paul rhythm or or yeah it's it's the same switch that's on the cs1 right i see cs2 cs1 um so you've got the touch world at 77 to 89. Right. Um, but the dynamic filter came out in 86, 86. and only lasted two years. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I did a kind of live stream with Yoshi uh, a couple years ago, and we were talking about various pedals, and he was talking about that. And uh, they kind of created it at the time because they wanted to create a completely different analog wah sound so this is the same sort of dynamic filter um, <clears throat> but you've got a cue control so you can adjust the kind of peak of the frequency you've then got the cut frequency up or down but it's a much more sort of deep mid focused like vocals it it goes Ooh. very low to very bright right, in terms of an auto wire but what's cool is that you can plug an expression pedal in you can use it like a wire pedal uh-huh. that you can actually literally like um sort of dial in and um i always just thought they sounded really cool there's not many demos of them um they go for a lot of money man. and now they're just yeah and i paid i've been looking around for ages and i think i ended up paying like 150 i mean that's like relatively hugely, good condition hugely under the mark i'm looking at 279 286 330 and then at the top end 623 pounds yeah that's just that's just sit someone's just i mean actually to be fair it's like a mint condition in the box but um yeah. <laughs> yeah these were all analog just filters they just didn't last very long but it's got a really good sound it's got that the sound that i was after from the big moog pedal and it does the same thing but the big moog pedal is just a massive moog pedal yeah uh, and this has just got that very much kind of it does the really expressive kind of lead auto war thing but then what it also does is the kind of when you add gain with it it does the kind of real like zapper-esque like crazy auto war thing and i love the fact that you can plug an expression pedal in use it like a manual war but that is very cool I, I picked one of those up and they're going starting to go for crazy money and you just see some of the other boss stuff on you know reverb and you're just like man like some of the ones that you just wouldn't have thought have gone for a lot of money are starting to really like really pick up in value really um yeah i don't know what it is there's certain ones that just you know they they just sort of fly and i I don't know if there's a particular reason but yeah things like digital metalizers and those things for the 70s and 80s seem to be i don't know if it's one person like hedging their bets and then (laughs) someone pays it and then everyone's like oh we can all pay that much money for it but you know what's crazy if you think on average here, just looking, Boss SYB5, you know, that was discontinued maybe four or five years ago now. Still 95 quid. And they're only like yeah. 120 quid new. So, like, Boss pedals yeah. and, and you've on a made whole. This, like, Boss have made the synth, the SY1 now, which does a lot of these things. 
Yeah. So, you know, on a, on the whole, you know, CS3, 80 quid, you know. Yeah. They're about that sort of money new. Like, boss pedals <laughs> seem to really hold their... Um, do seem to really hold their value. Um, and there's a few of them out there that are going up in, in value. So, mm. yeah, to buy the whole collection, you know, there's probably <laughs> yeah. a lot of ones in there you probably yeah. wouldn't want. But, you know, I'm <laughs> sure there's some there's some ones that just probably wouldn't be of any use today. I mean, I've, I always fancied a boss enhancer just because no one can really tell you exactly what it does. Um, but I'm just not going to spend 100 quid on it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what um? What is your favourite? We'll call it. We'll call it the weird period. Boss pedal. Then the weird period. You know the time um, before. I I feel like everything's almost standardised now. In that, boss now can look at the things that were really good from the start. You know, or or when I don't know when rock and roll was becoming what it is today and now boss can look back in that and be like well this worked and this didn't and there's this like like we've just talked about there's this weird period in sort of the 80s and 90s things that have fallen by the wayside um i uh, think there's a lot of things that we tried and yeah didn't take off and now they sort of they're super popular um so yeah i've got i've got a few um more recently than some of those and this is much much later but i think this is always overlooked um especially compared to the kind of pedals out there boutique ones they're doing like crazy sounds and i think this is easily up there boss te2 terra echo like wow you know to me that is one of the best sounding delays and it is a total hidden gem i can't believe we're talking about this pedal two weeks in a row this was uh brad pages uh he he thinks it's a hidden gem as well it's on his pedal board he absolutely loves it as a sort of an effects echo i think yeah i think because it's kind of a it's an auto war delay yeah it's it because it uses multi-dimensional processing it uh, which basically analyzes your incoming signal and splits it in different ways and applies a different level of effects depending on, uh, you know, things like the amount of uh, the pitch that you're playing at, the di- you know, the strength of the input signal and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you know, I think there's pedals out there that you could pay double the money and they still don't do anything as cool as that. Right. Um, but I would say if you want to go back in time um, a bit further, and I bought the later version of one of these recently, I guess I'll talk about the later version, but um, Boss PS3. What a great battle. Um, because you can do everything with that. That effectively is a rainbow machine. Yes, you know, exactly. from, from Earthquaker. And, you know, it... it it was just, I don't know what they were thinking at the time they made that, but they basically made a really good delay and a pitch shifter and went, oh, I wonder if you can like blend the two together. And you you get a pitch shifted reverse delayed signal that can collapse in on itself. Yeah. I don't know what anyone would have used it for in <laughs> before, 1990, were a band. before 1991. Yeah. But, you know, it, it does chorus, it does delays it does really long delays it does pitch shifting it does pitch shifting with an expression pedal like it was i don't know if it came out 
I think it probably came out slightly before. When was that? 1994. So I guess the Whammy had come out, what, in 1990? Right. So, I mean, there was other pitch-shifting ones out there, but I think pitch-shifting in a compact didn't exist necessarily, and then pitch-shifting in a compact with delay yeah um it was definitely bananas i mean the ps2 i also think is i assume that's what you were going to talk about as yeah ps2 and ps3 i mean they were very much almost exactly the same yeah thing um and then i guess maybe i mean you could say something like the df2 only because Actually, yeah, DF2, distortion feedbacker or feedbacker distortion, yeah, what we, um, which is what basically a DS2, but it had this feedback loop in it, so you could hold it down and it gave you, a, you know, a held note like instant feedback. Um, but it sort of made me remember that there was a, a sort of another hidden gem. I guess there was a, a boss pedal from around the same sort of time as the TE2, which is now discontinued, called the FB2. Feedback, feedback booster yeah yeah um they go for like 200 quid now what? <laughs> no one wanted them when they were out and then they got discontinued and everyone wanted one i remember um, even like joking about them about like who's gonna want uh you know a pretend feedback pedal at the time yeah and uh and then i guess digitech made the freak out and everyone's like, oh this is really cool <laughs> um but yeah so you can basically you get instant feedback, but it was a really good booster. But the great thing was you could dial in the characteristic of the feedback and it had a really good booster in it as well. And yeah, discontinued, wow. but now goes for an average of 200 and on reverb here. It says in stock, uh, current listings, 220 to 250. Wow. Wow. That is, I'm, I'm going to throw the boss HF two high band flanger into the ring here because the great thing about the high band flanger, and I know I appreciate the boss sorted this out later with the uh, what, what's the current one, the three, the F- uh, BF three, BF three. The BF three is now, I oh, would it, say, nearly t- over twenty years old. Definitely, yeah, definitely. It's been around a long time. I mean, that's because they got it right. It's very good having a. I, and what I was going to say is because it's got the guitar in and the bass in. I appreciate they've solved this issue. But what's great about the high band flanger, the Boss HF two, is it's a flanger that applies things predominantly to your high end, keeping your low end intact, which is great. If you love the sound, if you're a bass player, you you want a flanger effect, but you want your fundamentals, I guess, to to still stay intact and sound mm. clear and punchy. And it is a great pedal for that. It is also in a gorgeous powder pink. Um, it looks that cool. is a very, very cool colour. Yeah. A very, very cool colour. What about the DSD2? DSD2, got one of those. Delay sampler. Yeah. Um, kind of, yeah, again, I guess they were sort of just trying everything at that point. Um, so the DSD2 and... The DSD3, again, very, very similar, um, kind of a similar story to, I think, to DD2 to DD3. It was just a way to just kind of reintroduce it into the market with little to no change. Um, it's basically a DD2, but you can. it's also got a really early looper in it. That looper allows you to loop 
for a very short period of time, uh, less than one second. Um, <laughs> good. It's but um, what's cool with that, actually, is that it's got a trigger input. So if you've got a drum machine or a modular synth now with a trigger output, you run the output signal into the delay sampler and then you run the trigger in, It'll, it will loop and sample in line with that trigger input. So you can kind of get these kind of glitchy stop and start sort of delay effects, which is uh, which is very cool. But actually, uh, that is a hidden gem if you want to buy a really early Japanese... Uh, boss delay pedal uh, without spending the um, yeah. without spending the money the big bucks on those old chips yeah indeed yeah, yeah 1985 um, pretty mad to think really but yeah that is a very very cool very cool pedal if you want to hear how it sounds our good friend uh, Jackson from uh, previously dip switch demos now just Jackson Brooksby uh, did a very good demo on it um, a couple of years ago so worth checking out Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, speaking of demos, Matt, um, over the last uh, couple of weeks, we've been putting together a track, you and I, a demo, not just me, dear listeners, showing you guys what something that I've been sent sounds like, but Matt and I have been working together on something to show off, and we've spoken about this before a couple of times, dear listener, the Silk Tone Micronaut. Um, which Matt bought. Uh, like a refresher for listeners on what the Micronaut is? Yeah, so the Silk Tone Micronaut is effectively a hand-wired 4-watt uh, single-channel single but dual-voiced mini amplifier. And I, and I dare to say mini because it is small in size but very loud in power. So one EL84 um but as they say it's an amp it's a drive it's a preamp it's a di it does clean and it does dirty um and it is a crazy crazy good bit of kit i use it almost every single day um has it become a real standard then for i think it's i think it's wicked i i really do think um it's great and i think for me, what's been really interesting and the track that we'll, we'll play, all of those sounds were guitar in, and then I took the... So the difference with this is on the back, you've got a speaker output and then you've got a line output. But other than, unlike other amps, the line output takes a tap from the... Uh, power transformer so you can use it as a drive pedal you could use it as a kind of make gooder at the beginning of your signal chain if you wanted a a valve drive to the rest of your chain um or you can send it straight into a daw so what i what i did was plug my guitar in took the line out plugged it into my uh sort of pedal chain at the delay and reverb point and then and then took the signal from that into my interface and then just used Ableton. I just used a basic 4x12 cab model. Um, what, and like one that came with Ableton? Just one that came with Ableton, wow. yeah. Um, it sounded great. I did nothing to it, you know, afterwards. It, I've, I've changed nothing. I think the great thing with doing that, doing it that way, is because you've then got a master volume, as it were, in terms of your input level on your interface you can crank the amp because it's four watts is 
very loud. Um, you know, it's like we always say that 50 watts isn't half as loud as 100 or 25 isn't half as loud as 50. You know, 10 watts is half as loud as 100. It's the way it works. So four watts is is very loud. Indeed. Obviously, you get less you get less clean headroom, but actually the voicing switch on that, the voice one is is very clean and then um voice two is a bit more driven and all of the drive sounds are the amp just cranked into the interface or at a slightly gainy level with a treble booster in the front um but yeah obviously the only thing is if you then go guitar into your pedals into the front end if you've got delays and reverbs it's going to be very mushy but that's what you might want um i did want to mic it up but i just couldn't get the volume so i think if you had like two notes or was a tube amp expander or something that you could attenuate the volume would obviously be good depending on the situation but actually i liked going straight into the daw Hmm. um and one of the other things i did but not for the recording um is i run the line out into the effects loop return of my olsen little hill which is a 20 watt um valve amp so actually if you want a clean power amp but you want to use that as the drive channel that works very well as well so if you want the amp to have master volume as it were yeah uh, if you've got an amp with an effects that you could run into that and then you've got effects loop as well i sort of was starting to run it as a um like front end to my pedal board and then i was like that is just ridiculous really <laughs> um but i run it as part of this i run it as part of the my stereo chain so that and my morgan pr12 which is like a fender princeton kind of thing um i run them into each into their own speaker but both speakers in one two by 12 cab and i just blend those together for like one one sound but all of the sounds on the track are recorded individually um and yeah it's just guitar into the silk tone i think delay sounds i used space echo and line six echo pro and then just basically back out into the into the daw um and it took me yeah it, it took me no time at all to dial in a guitar sound and that's what i loved about it in terms of those like raw gritty overdrive sounds if you think like very garagey very kind of white stripesy sort of thing like yeah, old yeah. school cranked amps but the fact that you can run it straight into an interface just like great yes. just absolutely great yeah it was it was absolutely spot on i still think you managed to get your slightly david gilmorey pink floyd sort of like a, a slightly neater sustain tone out of it really well as well it, mm, it, yeah i actually i liked running it in the so the rhythm channels if i remember rightly are the second voice so more driven the lead part which is okay i i sort of got a bit bored of playing lead parts and realized i can't play lead very well um <laughs> it's the it's the first channel but i'm using a treble booster from uh dan coggins into the front end because i wanted to show it being boosted in the front end as well right. as just the amp itself because people have got pedals and they want to use pedals as well um the only thing it doesn't do is like super warm jazzy cleans i get sure. you can get a good clean sound out of it but i find that on lower volumes it doesn't have the bottom end that you want so once you crank it it starts to bloom and fill out a little bit more um and i definitely find that running it into a bigger cab makes a difference as well um 
So, but I think for what it is, it's amazing. What I would love to do is try have that in like almost a pedal for your pedal board or compare it with something like the audio kitchen, um, big trees. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, yeah, and kind that, of have, what a killer pedal that, you know, yeah. have that almost as like your front end. Yeah. And then you run everything into that and then back out into a sort of cleaner amp. So it's almost like the ultimate make gooder. Um, but I think when I, when I eventually move and kind of set things up, I think I'm actually going to have it as my DI for recording. And really? I'm just going to use that for, for, for DI for recording. Oh, no. Cause it, it's just yeah. so good for that. It's, it's a DI with a sort of rock and roll. It's a rock and roll DI rather than trying to be very clean or very warm or have that sort of Neve desk sort of thing. It's just a, mm. it's a cool rock and roll DI. I mean, it's Indeed. just, it's great. Let's, let's give the track a listen, dear listener. And, uh, and you can hear exactly what we're talking about. Very space echo there. Oh well, the and, it's a, yeah, and it's a real one. Do you know what my favourite? My favourite note is um, right at the end. It finishes on an E, but I played it on the I played a, this lead part on my SG. Right, I've been really getting back into my SG, wow. and I and I hit it because obviously that's tuned half a step down. I hit the first fret on the low E string, and I sort of bent it slightly, and it gave me that sort of. Uh, yeah, uh, Black Sabbath Iron Man thing and I was right, like right. that is a cool I, as a way to describe it it's always got that sort of early Black Sabbath um, kind Rough of and ready, vibe to raucous it. thing yeah it's uh, yeah absolutely um, I just thought it sounded fantastic I thought it sounded great as like bearing in mind dear listener this is a little wooden box that you can fit on your desk and you're not getting it I mean I guess you're not getting to an imitation a digital imitation of what you know someone is telling you a, a, you know a massive stadium rig sounds like you're just getting a great sounding valve amplifier in a really easy you know to use and record in the situation that we all mostly find ourselves in, which is at a desk with a small interface and uh, a DOW. Yeah. Um, highly recommended. Bit different, but it's well worth checking out. Well, well worth checking out. Yes, absolutely. It was super cool. Okay, so worth noting at this juncture, dear listener, last week Brad and I spoke a bit about Rob Nordvik's discussion points. And dear listener, I'm aware that topic of the week, I haven't done one for a couple of weeks because we've had a lot of guests on and things like that. But Matt and I would really love to delve into some of Rob's topics. So next week, 
we're going to do just that. We're going to dedicate a lot of time to those topics. And then we'll continue um, spinning the wheel and getting new people for Topic of the Week after that. But just to let you know, that's how things are going to work um, uh, uh, moving forward. Matt, should we talk about should we talk about a news item? I don't think we've got enough time for all of them. We might get a couple in. What? What would? Where would you go? New things. Where would I go? New things. There's, um, like, there's, there's the Squire Sonic series. I, you know, I want me and Brad spoke about that a bit, dear listener. But maybe um, we should cool talk about week. that next week because I'm I'm planning some testing to Wonderful. with some other bits Wonderful. related to that. Um, why don't we go with, why don't we talk about origin effects? Because, and I want to talk about origin effects because I also just want to give even more love back to the Revival 57, um, right. which I guess is, is I've got the Revival Trem, but now called the Revival 57. Right. Uh, and they do the Magna 57. And I've got that on my pedal board. And it's just great. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, I actually sort of want two on my pedal board. Yeah. Um, because there's so many good sounds in it, so many good drive sounds. It's built like a tank. Um, I would say I that's just the only shortfall on of any of the origin stuff is like no MIDI. So you, you're always forced to, and I understand why these are proper, very analog built like tanks designed to last pedals. It's just because they do so much, it kind of makes you wish. You had some way of getting well, extra things out of them. Because I use a switching, um, you know, like an ES8 um, type yeah. thing, you know, you can turn on the <clears throat> tremolo on and off and you can tap in the tempo. Right. Um, which I which I really like. You know, that makes, to me, I think that's always really nice because it does allow you to have dry and it's just, they're just so responsive to the volume control. Yeah. Um, and if you look at, you know, they call that, if you go to their website, Overdrive and Boost, you know, amp recreation. And it, to me, it does feel like an amp. It feels like a, um, it feels like a cranked amp or just a kind of fender amp on the edge. They actually call it Deluxe 61, just to correct myself. Magna, Magma 57 and Deluxe um, 61 is yeah. is that. But they, They've um, got all that push and pull, that organic feel, mm. that sort of sagginess that you get with an amplifier. I, I don't know. It's just they, they're obviously absolute works of art. The design team, you know, go to the nth degree to make these pedals everything that they want to be. There's a- Nothing's ever absolutely. thrown out with this company. It's all perfected absolutely and i think you know um they just launched the dcx boost and the dcx base but also recently they had the meq driver and the halcyon green overdrive so the halcyon green overdrive is their take on a sort of tube screamer um type type thing uh the meq driver was based on a uh sort of channel strip like a pool tech studio eq um and then their sort of yeah this dcx boost just is an absolutely killer boost pedal. Um, you know, they say studio preamp with their adaptive circuitry. So you've got an EQ mode and an OD mode, and then you've got three different voices, uh, low frequency, high frequency, level and drive on the front. Um, and it's kind of based off a UA610 preamp, yeah. uh, which is like a retro console preamp. But yeah, you can really push it into distortion and i must admit this is the kind of thing i'm i'm looking for my pedal board um at the moment you know something that basically doesn't give you a lot of drive but you can put at the front um of everything 
else. Um, I've just, yeah, I've don't want anything with too much gain. And I just think this mm. thing sounds absolutely amazing. Yeah, and it, they just look and feel solid, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. That that is kind of the backbone of of Origin Effects. I, I've got the uh, the Petty John electronics. They've discontinued it now. They've changed their chassis. One of their old sort of very rugged, cold, hammered steel chassis with an angled foot pedal. Um, I've got their um, high quality studio. Um, you know, channel strip inspired boost pedal, which reminds me a lot of this because you get a, a low and a high pass filter as well as like a level and a drive. So it's a great clean boost, but it, it can be used really effectively for warming up your tone as well. Mm. This reminds me of the same sort of thing. And I think of Petty John as being an almost similar company, or at least their, their older stuff was where they, when they made them in those very, very sort of super rugged chassis, they've moved to a more standardized chassis now. But um, I, I love this idea, the channel strip booster, giving you more control, like amp control sort of on your pedal board via the low and high pass filter and a few voicings. Um, I, I think the DCX is going to be fantastic. Yeah, I think all of that that new stuff, that the MEQ driver, the housing, they just all sound really, really good. But I think what I like about this is um, not just the kind of look and f- feel of it but the fact that they're kind of going well we're not going to do a drive pedal i mean yes they've done like a tube screamer but everything else is sort of like it's a bit more like studio gear on the floor which i really really like um and it's just different because you know not many people are going to get a chance to try the real thing so i think it's nice to be able to kind of base a drive circuit off something like that and that's what people were doing in the studio they were going straight into decks they were cranking you know different things and seeing what seeing what happens so i think for me it's it's kind of nice to be able to to do that i think um and have a different type of drive pedal reminds me you know if you think about that that kind of outlook is the walrus audio 385 385 still tim's drive of choice is it that's his always on drive and then he uses the um red beard angry rhubarb as his flavorer you know, sort of time oh, nice. second drive. But yeah, 385 is always on. And that was, uh, the, that 385 was, and dear listener, I, know, I appreciate we've mentioned this pedal a lot on this podcast, was an overdrive by Walrus Audio that was inspired by the pre- preamp of an old projector, an old video projector. Mm. Um, yeah, and the preamp, in, the preamp in that. So yeah, very, yeah, very cool indeed. So I, I like it when people would just uh, do something a bit different. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I, I'll, I'll, uh, I'm going to reach out to Origin Effects see if we can get um, those. Maybe I can get the bass one. You can get the guitar one, Matt, and we can make something with uh, with those pedals. We'll, uh, we'll see what we end up doing. Um, we are coming towards the end of the podcast. Before I go, I do want to talk about this: um, the Fender Tom DeLonge Starcaster. Oh, the a- <laughs> the alien guitar. Well, with the alien guitar, the, it's. Uh, it's it is obviously there's no sign that this starcast is going to become a, a like a a standard signature model that, that the general public can buy they seem to just be making models for tom delong at the moment but this one um his his new one is um it's it's been designed by the fender luthier brian thrasher and it's uh, it is a Starcaster with his you know, dirty fingers humbucker in the in the bridge as it was, but it has actual meteorite dust 
made as part of the finish, which reminded me of the old Steve Vai DNA where he had some oh, of his Oh, there's so many of those. Blood. I think <laughs> there was, um, I think there was like, uh, Jerry Jordison, like Slipknot drumsticks with like blood in it. Like loads oh. of people have, uh, yeah, have done that. But, uh, yeah, definitely it's got vibes of the, uh, the, um, Steve Vai DNA guitar, <laughs> yeah. which is worth crazy, <laughs> crazy money now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but but yes, this one in particular, it has uh, the dust has lunar, Martian, and carbonaceous meteorites. The sides and back were torched like a meteor coming through the atmosphere. Um, that's the uh, that's the gist of this. So, but the, uh, just correct me if I'm wrong here, Joe, because I'm looking at his Instagram, and I'm sure the All one right. I'm talking about isn't a Starcast because they do one that's like his three three three. And a picture with like a red stripe down the middle. Is that a different uh, guitar? Th- that might be a different guitar. The, the, there is a red stripe on his meteorite one. It's offset. Um, I was not aware that uh, they'd done a three-three-three style one. But um, yeah, because there's a picture of him holding one that's got that offset red stripe mm-hmm. with the f holes, but it's got a fender neck on it with a fender headstock. But the, yeah, the that picture too—that's a starcaster. Too- star but the picture too. Pit- just before that on his Instagram is definitely a three three three. Well, I mean, yeah, I, uh, I I don't know which picture you're specifically looking at. The ones I'm looking at, they're all offset. They're all his. Uh, oh, I see where you've you've had a little look at it. I think maybe that's just his inspiration. But that is absolutely. You're completely right. That is <laughs> that is his old Gibson. Uh, three three three, and it looks right. like it's been remade as a Starcaster uh, now with the with the actual uh, with the actual meteorite stuff. I know there was it, it caused a little bit of controversy when I posted about this on um, on the Guitar Nerds group on Facebook because people were like, "Why well, it's got a stupid sticker on it?" Like you know, even if it's a cool idea, the guitar looks silly because he's put a kid sticker on it and you know stuff like that. I appreciate <laughs> it's a little bit you know. If you're going to do something like actual moon dust in your finish, it would have been nice if maybe it had looked a little bit more, I don't know, classic, a little bit more um, tasteful than than this. But uh, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He's a punk guitarist. It's of course. And he's, he's on his like he's on his like golden lap. Do you know what I mean? He's like he's like completed he's completed life. Yeah. And then yeah. he went off and did his own thing and like followed aliens for 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 years. Yeah. And then he's come back and then everyone's like, oh yeah, blink with rubbish. And now they're good again. So <laughs> um Yeah. We'll see. Know, he's we'll on, see. he's on his golden lap of life, so he can do what he wants to be I guess, I guess he can. Yeah, we're at that point. Oh well. Yeah. Anyway, dear listener, we are coming to the end of this week's episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast. Like I said at the start, Matt and I are going to be heading over to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds. Dear listener, if you want to join us, all the information on how to do that is available on Patreon. But the gist is you can become part of our community for as little as a dollar a month and at the $5 tier, you get access to all of our additional episodes, our Patreon special episodes. We do one a week, Matt and I, or you know, and, and our, all of our guests that we have on. So we're going to head over there, talk about some questions from the Facebook group, um, and we'll be back next week with more of this guitar nerdery. Farewell. Goodbye. you 
dear Patreon supporters for listening to another episode of the Guitar Nerds Podcast. Now, of course, as usual, it is time for me to thank our top-tier Patreon supporters for being so amazing. Thank you to Marcus Deluxe, Suresh, Dorsonic Pickups, Chris Franklin, Anton Fryant, Russ Meehan, Barry Gresbeck, Steve Davis, Daniel Walker, Join Brown, John Conaway, The Studio Rats, Russell Healing, Yogi the Guitarist, Ty Allen, Carl Harris, Sean Hughes, Andy Hoffler, Eric Hemmer, Jeffrey Wax, Brian Einsler, Mark Hizau Kadawaki, Stuart Robson, Eric File, Peter Pesce, Andy Manley, Simon Milborn, Joe Puttick, Blake Wyland, Phil Rodomsky, Dave Lee, Ross Edwards, Jason Wharton, James Dore, Jake Gray, Derek Rich, Scott Kennedy, Steve Merkel, Abe Matthews, Christopher Loseth, Stephen Burke, Robin Smith, Kytopia the Band, JD Short, Andy McKenzie, Brad Page, Paul Corrigan, Rob Nordvik, Scott O'Brien, and of course, Moog Gravit. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to OSEAMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.